Hi, everybody, and welcome back to yet another cracking edition of the Matt Brown Show. This is the Secrets of Influence series where we are talking to business leaders all about influence. And uh, if you haven't yet done so, my book, Secrets of Influence, is available now on Amazon.com. So if you want to get the whole context for this series, uh, please go and head over there now. And so with us in the hot seat today is none other than Peter Goodmanson. He is the uh, CEO of Be Home 24-7. Peter, welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, Matt. Thanks. So uh, why don't you quickly give us the elevator pitch, Peter? Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing there at um, Be Home 24-7. Yeah, exactly. So um, so we're, Be Home 24-7 is a software company. We serve two markets, uh, the vacation rental space and the residential real estate space, in particular, single family for rent. The software does three things. It controls smart devices like smart locks, thermostats, noise detectors, leak detectors, that sort of thing, and then links them to operating workflows. So like in the residential world, that means self-guided tours, uh, maintenance management, vendor management, things like that. And then finally, uh, uh, combines those two first features with um, resident communications or guest communications. So the person who lives there knows what's going on with the building they live in. Beautiful stuff. So uh, let's get into the, the weeds here. <laughs> so today we're talking about influence. So uh, Peter, what does influence mean to you? Like if you were to define influence as a business leader and a CEO, what or how would you define it? Well, it's the it's the it's the foundation and the substance of leadership. Uh, and so, uh, in fact, when I hear you say influence, I, I have a flashback to my service in the U.S. Marines uh, many years ago, where we learned the definition of leadership is the art of influencing. There's that word, the art of influencing men and women in such a way as to accomplish your mission. Mm. Uh, and so influence is really the the, the substance of leadership. Mm. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I was just wondering, um, you obviously um, in the, in the uh, well, you were deployed as, as a Marine. I'm curious to uh, understand and maybe bring to life a little bit more from a military perspective, uh, a story or a personal story or experience where you were on the ground as a, as a Marine, where you witnessed the power of influence in action, whether that was positive or negative. Yeah, I mean, so sort of influence also implies there's active and there's sort of indirect. Uh, and so, for example, I was a field artillery officer and I was attached to an infantry company. Uh, and I was lucky. I was, this is the late 80s or mid to late 80s when uh, it was really sort of the end of the Cold War, <laughs> which we were winning. Uh, and before the war on terror and some of the, the Middle Eastern activity that, that my, uh, my brothers took, took, took part in. And so, um, uh, so as an artillery officer, I was attached as a forward observer to an infantry company. So that meant that I was an advisor to the company commander, to a captain, but I was not in command. Uh, I had a small headquarters unit that I was in command of, but I had to influence him in terms of giving him good advice. Uh, you, know, you might not want to go that way. You might want to go this way or very tactfully say uh, artillery uh, folks are very proud of their land navigation skills. And this is before GPS was widespread. So very often he'd, I'd hear him on the radio calling in to his commander, the battalion commander saying where we we were, and I had to tap him on the shoulder and say, you know, actually, we're about 300 meters to the right of that. We're not quite there. And, and uh, 300 meters is a lot. It can be very important in, uh, in, uh, in, in, in military operations on the ground. So, so it's the art of being, it's tact. It is uh, being accurate. It is being um, understanding uh, emotional intelligence and, and context for information. But the military, especially at a young age, is just a great way to learn those types of skills and, and how to apply influence. 
Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I was saying this yesterday on a, another show, uh, but um, I had Leif Babin on on the show. He's a Navy SEAL. Uh, wrote the book Extreme Ownership with uh, Jocko Willink, and I said to him, you know, what is leadership actually about? And he said, what's well, about service? So, and it's quite interesting because if you think about uh, influence in the in the context of leadership, I actually think most business leaders don't know what influence actually is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like in the true sense of knowing how to move someone, get the best out of them, motivate them, inspire them, make a positive difference to the the industry and markets that they're trying to serve. Um, and so that's why I wanted to do this series. But it is it, he, he's what you said is bang on. It's all about service. Um, and oftentimes I've found, especially young first-time entrepreneurs, and I'm guilty, <laughs> you know, when I was a youngster, I was a complete dictator. Do you know what I mean? I didn't right. know what leadership really was. Um, and people were scared of my leadership style. And it was authoritarian. I mean, people felt like they grew more under that type of leadership style than they did, you know, in, in other companies or other, uh, other roles and things. Um, but I learned as I started getting older and I founded, you know, 14 companies now and scaled a few, sold, sold a couple, but also had a lot of failure. I kind of look back on all of that and go, actually, how, how much more of an impact would I have had if I learned and someone had just told me that, dude, it's, you know, le true leadership is, is about being of service, not having other people work for you. Do you know what I mean? It's you working with them to get the best out of them. Um, and I just wish someone had told me that earlier. Yeah. Sometimes experience is the best teacher though. Mm -hmm. QBE baby qualified by experience. Exactly. <laughs> so Peter, um, quickly, when uh, obviously we're talking about the, the relationship here between influence and, um, and the, and its relationship to, to leadership, what qualities or, or behaviors do you think effective leaders possess when it comes to wielding influence within their teams and the, and their communities? Yeah, the top two I would pick are, are communication skills and empathy uh, or the ability to connect with people. And so it, it is drawing the parallels. How does the big picture mission break down into the pieces that make sense to members on the team? Uh, so it could be an abstraction uh, like a service uh, or it could be very, very concrete. Like we're trying to achieve a million dollars in sales this quarter. Um, how are we going to do that? Well, how does that break down to each member of the team? Why should they care? Uh, and that's where the empathy comes in. So communication skills. So you can articulate context, mission uh, and then and, and the steps of execution, which you, which you may direct, but you may also uh, elicit out of the team because they may have better ideas than you do because they're on the front line and they're seeing things every day. So in an abstract sense, I, I always come back to that uh, communication or articulation, perhaps is a better word. Uh, and then um, uh, also um, uh, the empathy, the ability to connect. Mm -hmm. um, do you see yourself as a thought leader? Yes, uh, try to be. Um, and uh, and again, it doesn't mean a, a thought leader sometimes implies that you have all the answers. That's not it. I would argue that sometimes a thought leader is someone who has all the questions or has a, a good series of questions or asks the right questions, which, again, is that ability to uh, connect the big picture to the small picture or, as they say, 30,000 feet uh, of view, but also down in the weeds and the ability to go back and forth very rapidly is really important. And so, yeah, absolutely be a thought leader. And one of the things I like best about being a CEO uh, is that ability to be the spokesperson, the primary spokesperson, but also uh, the team leader in terms of articulating, asking the right questions and helping position the business 
to uh, in concert with what the brand identity is, not to sound too MBA-ish, uh, but, but thought leadership is critical to that. So how do you personally approach scaling your influence with thought leadership? Walk us through how you approach doing that particular job. Yeah, well, this, the first thing is when you when you when you take the role. So I joined Be Home twenty four seven about three years ago. I'm not I'm not the founder. I work with the CTO, who is the the founder uh, and the the technical brain behind the operation. But a lot of it has to do with initially research, uh, talking to people, uh, researching the market, and understanding what it is that we do. Believe it or not, a lot of people can't really articulate uh, for their organization what the purpose of the organization is. And it could even be something something as simple as say you run a restaurant. You could say, well, it's a restaurant. We feed people. Well, yes, on one level, that's true. On the other hand, it's a neighborhood diner where you are a, a social cohesion for a network or a community. And it's important that you understand that when you articulate the value. It's not just the the, the, the eggs and bacon. It, it is it is the, the role that, that that restaurant has in the community. And likewise, so so it starts with research and understanding and then defining what is, a, I, I use the word taxonomy, which again is kind of fancy, but what is the body of knowledge that we as a brand and therefore an organization should know all about? Uh, so in our case, because we do um, what we call a, a, a tailored uh, operations platform for property technology, which again is kind of fancy, but we know Everything you need to know about how to know what's happening in the four walls of your house or your, whether it's a vacation house or a primary residence, um, we know how to organize that information, transmit it over distance, uh, roll it up into uh, dashboards and other tools that that property managers can use. So we need to know all about that. And we don't have to know all about how to build a foundation of a house. That's not what we do. That's out of scope. But we do have to understand how uh, uh, housing is is managed in various markets and how information flows make that effort more efficient. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I asked that question, uh, and it's a standing one, because I think there's a very strong relationship to thought leadership and influence. And people don't understand what what thought leadership is actually about. And I think you know more probably than the average guy or girl. Um, and the reason for that is because in my book, I talk about this uh, framework called the counter-narrative framework, which involves knowing what, in other words, if you're going to create influence, you need to know what the narrative is currently within a particular space. And so when you understand what that narrative is, you can paint a counter-narrative. And the reason why counter-narratives are so effective is because it gets your attention and credibility and these things start to drive reputation trust and this is how you start to become an influencer in a particular space and i also love what you said around um being curious you know having being the guy who has the questions and you know asking the questions rather than trying to have all the answers because this is why i do the show <laughs> it's because i want to be seen as the influencer of influencers do you see what i'm trying to say entirely I, 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 yeah 100 agree yeah. and that whole idea of narratives is very important for example i had a previous company before this one called recruit military and we helped businesses recruit military veterans um, through career fairs, a job board and, and a magazine. And um, I identified right away that there are certain, the media only knows four narratives when it comes to veterans, three or four. And it is, you know, they're all screwed up. Who's going to give them a job? That's one quite counter that. The other one is the community is coming together to support veterans. Uh, the other one is veterans are a, are a hidden source of talent. And of course, we hyped on that third one in particular. And but anyway, but knowing those narratives and and sometimes they're just 
offensive stereotypes, but it's good to engage with those and provide a counter narrative. I love that, that phrase that you use. Mm. Yeah. So if, if, if anyone's interested, um, I actually have a whole uh, training uh, module about this counter narrative framework on secrets of influence.com. Um, but uh, going back to this counter narrative idea, and I love the military example because I think it's actually true. I think also another counter narrative that I think is necessary is that an entrepreneur who fails in business, like where a business dies, is not worth backing as an investor. Do you see what I mean? Yes, I absolutely. Think we, and if you just look at what people are saying and you look at industry reports, social media, what the commentary on uh, Google Trends or whatever the case might be, you'll start to see very quickly that there are narratives everywhere. And the true influencer needs to understand what that narrative is so that they can shift it. And another key thing I would love to talk to you about is perceptions. Because how would you, how, I mean, the military example, how did you shift perceptions? What approach did you take to that? Yeah, I think it, it, it depends what you're trying to shift, but basically it, it is, it is knowing your stuff, being, being what's called technically and tactically competent. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, um, and then again, with through empathy, understanding where the other person is coming from. Uh, and so why do they have that perception? You know, a classic example of the military is there are those that are very anti-military, uh, you know, that sort of sort of uh, post-Vietnam sort of uh, stereotype of, uh, well, are you people all just sort of uh, screaming drill instructors that uh, that that manage only through uh, authoritarian means? And you can shout back, but all you'll do is prove that that's what their stereotype is accurate. Instead, you can surprise them with a little verbal jujitsu and understand, hey, why do you why do you feel that way? And show some em empathy and connect like a therapist. And before you know it, they're thinking, wow, I had the wrong idea about uh, veterans as a as a class. So mm -hmm. I'm going to uh, modify my view. And therefore, you've been successful in in altering that perception. But mm -hmm. so it's, you know, listening. Um, we're talking a lot about articulation and communication before, but the big part, uh, the, 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 the fundamental aspect of communication is listening, active listening, and then connecting. Hmm. What role does data or evidence play from your perspective in becoming or being able to influence uh, very much so that's that's good that goes back to tactical or, or competence uh that, that i mentioned earlier you have to know the data you also have to be careful though not to not to I mean, it depends who you're talking to i mean if you're if, if you're trying to influence a physicist you might have lots and lots of data lots of numbers but data comes in other forms data can be verbal and it can also be the ability to translate uh, uh, numbers into stories into narrative that makes sense that's what good politicians do of course, there aren't many good politicians, but, <laughs> uh, but, but on any <laughs> side of the spectrum. But but the good ones can really articulate, can tell a story uh, that people connect with, um, and 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 I think that really helps uh, the art of influence. Mm -hmm. Peter, obviously, social media plays a big role in in what we're, who you know how much influence we're able to create. Podcasting, having your own show. Um, books, things like this, these are all credibility signals that if someone was ever Googling Pizza Goodmudson, <laughs> you know, what would they find? Um, and I'm curious to, to understand from your perspective, what, in terms of social media, how do you personally use social media to scale your influence? Yeah. So yeah, social media, you're right. It's a, it's a great gift in many ways, but it's also it creates a lot of noise and, and makes, it makes it harder to break through in other ways. Um, and I would say um, social media is a great way to, to, to I, I'm still a little bit believer in traditional media um, uh, articles, 
uh, uh, written articles, um, um, appearing on local or national news, that type of thing, and then using social media to expand that. I mean, some people think that um, even modern news broadcasts are almost all now chunked out into little little 90-second clips that go out on social, and that's where they get most of their viewership. So anyway, so yeah, so so whether it's whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, um, um, I'm never going to get on TikTok. I'm sorry, it's too late for that. <laughs> or, or, or I'm not a Snapchatter. Uh, but I think for those other you know more traditional services, it is again, what do you have to say? Uh, figure out what you have to say and say it. And I do think that sometimes the downside. I'm, I'm not a big Twitter or X user, partially because um, I, I think 240 characters is just not enough to get across much. Uh, and whereas I think an article, a thought piece, uh, I've written straight to, to LinkedIn sometimes, um, uh, a piece about something, uh, uh, just, but, but know what you're talking about, address it very clearly, uh, and, uh, and get it out and hope it goes viral is an overused term, but hope it, it gets multiplied. Peter, let's double click on the traditional media. Uh, cause I wasn't expecting that to be honest. <laughs> How do you get something written picked up? by traditional media. Obviously yeah. you've had success doing that. So curious yes. to unpack that with you. You pitch. Yeah, you pit you pitch, you 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 use their sources like Cision, used to be called Bacon's Information a company, interestingly, I bought about 20 years ago uh, in another setting. Uh, but it, Cision is a database of journalists. Figure out what what beat the journalist has. So you'd be amazed how you can find either a freelance or a staff writer who is very interested in the same topics you are. And you pitch them on a story, not, hey, I want to get the word out about Be Home 24-7. No one's going to do that. That's called, they're going to refer you to the advertising department. But instead you say, hey, do you know that changes in property management uh, technology are having this sort of impact on people's vacations? And you, you pitch that story in April because in May, stories are coming out about summer vacations and so on. So you, you think like a journalist uh, because a journalist, they get inquiries all the time, but most of them are not that well thought out. So to really think again, you said it earlier, narrative is so important. What are the either either reinforce the prevailing narrative or um, or offer a counter narrative. Um, I mean, for example, we as we're recording this, there's tension in the Middle East. There's war in the Middle East. It might be that I'm making this up for illustration, but it might be that Cyprus or Turkey is a great place to go on vacation right now. It's not in the war that's going on, and it might be that they're bargains. So you pitch Travel and Leisure magazine on the idea that um, travel to Cyprus or Turkey is it could never have been cheaper and better than it is today. Again, I totally made that up. I don't know if that's true at all, but but um, a, a travel journalist will. Uh, and so knowing the narratives, being aware of what's going on, it's amazing how my, one of the best PR coups I ever had uh, or was involved with was uh, way back in the 90s when uh, uh, Dole was running um, against Clinton and um, the my company, uh, my corporation owned uh, Dog Fancy and Cat Magazine. And they pitched the idea of having a, a, a debate on whether there should be a cat or a dog in the White House because uh, Clinton famously had a cat named Socks and Dole had some sort of golden retriever. And anyway, it, people loved it. It was it was picked up all over uh, because of uh, of that's everyone loves that. People are dog people are cat people and they're tired of talking about real politics. But it's kind of a fun 
thing. And, and New York Times, Wall Street Journal, everyone picked it up. So and, and got those magazines promoted as a result. So uh, anyway, big believer in, 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 in pitching that. Uh, unfortunately, journalistic resources are, are fading as local newspapers die and so on. But there's still a lot of people looking for original content that fits, uh, fits or challenges existing narratives. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You know what I've, I've observed, uh, Peter, is that people abuse the, the traditional press release. Like they don't actually know how to work with that. And, and I write about this in my book. I write about a number of things that actually historically were really amazing tools, right? Or strategies or tactics to raise your profile your, or, or scale your influence. But people now today, if you think about the traditional press release that goes out, what do you see? You see them talking about themselves. You know, it's like, we've just launched this new product that does this and a super ding dong. And here's a quote from the CEO. Do you know what I mean? Right. And no one fucking cares. No, no one cares about that no. type of press release. And yeah. those examples that you were, um, you were sharing is what I, it's kind of like, is it newsworthy? Is it really a counter narrative? Is it something that's truly different? And I think we need to completely rethink things like the traditional press release. Like how do you actually use that as part of a broader like tack, a strategy rather like a broader yeah. strategy, like an influence, like a press release and yes. And what do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I think the press release is largely just a digital record at this point. It's, it's yeah. like a, it's, you could look it up and, uh, Oh yeah. On that date, they, not, they launched that product, mm. but that person to even find that has to already be interested, which means you've pitched them on something more substantive than um than a flat press release. yeah press releases it's it's from the the madman era uh i think today <laughs> yeah exactly what are your thoughts on traditional pr as a as a discipline to scale influence yeah in my experience in my career which is now about my civilian career is about 35 years long i'm very skeptical of agencies um uh, because usually it's a it's a slick partner who sells you uh the account you end up paying a retainer and you get a 23 year old uh, who uh, is 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 overworked uh, and underpaid, and so I think you have to do it yourself. Um, you you can get help from your marketing department uh, uh, inside your company, but I think you you the CEO should really be pitching the stories directly. Uh, uh, th that's my general opinion. That said, there are some agencies if they're if they're truly niches, I'd, rather than go with the brand names that are have sort of nationally or nationally famous. There's an exception for like disaster response PR and some other specialties, but for routine story placement, I think uh, I, I would go either do it yourself or get a get a freelancer or um, you know someone who really knows your space uh, who can help pitch the story. Yeah, I find, like I get pitched a lot by PR agents, as you can imagine. Uh, this person, you know, has written a book and uh, you know what we want to. Here's what you can ask them, and they give you the questions and all this kind of stuff. And podcast booking agencies are also very guilty of this whole uh, uh, sort of system, if you like. But people always like, and I, and I, it, it actually upsets me a little bit because you know you spend a decade building a platform, and then they want to come on for free. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's disrespectful. And I think traditional PR firms, podcast booking agencies, they actually don't know how to deal with a platform owner like myself and and many many others. Mm -hmm. um, and so when they pitch me, it's kind of like, well, what are you doing? You just want me to promote your stuff. You're hiring, you, you want everything for free and, and da, 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 da. So right. why would I do that? You know? And so this is what, I, it's, again, it's influence. I think if you had an astute podcast booking agent who approached me and said, Matthew, 
we will pay you $500 or $1,000 or do something, right? Whereas I'm actually going to, over and above giving you my time to talk about my book, I'd also like to do this. I'd like to give away 10 copies of my book. I'd like to pay you some money. I'd like to, you know, introduce you to 10 CEOs in my network. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, that's how you get attention. That's how you start to drive influence with a media owner, a platform owner. Because, and, and, it's, and it's, it's like a cultural thing. It's like, why do you expect everything for free? And I do yeah. believe that it's because a, a startup founder or a business owner entrepreneur, they hire these PR people because that's the only cost that they're prepared to depart with. Do you see what I mean? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so, and, and I can tell you now, every single CEO I know, and if they hire a PR firm, they're not around for longer than like three to six months because yeah. they run out of, out of things to do. So then PR has a bad reputation and, 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 and I think it needs to change. Yeah. 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 yeah I agree. And that, and that comes down to the quality of pitches too, because if you're, if you're just constantly spamming, that's not good. You, you really have to be thoughtful. What do I have to say and who needs to hear it? Uh, and how does that add value to them? Uh, both the medium you're going through and the ultimate audience. Uh, and so few people do that. By the way, it goes both ways. So as a media owner, platform owner, and maybe we could use you as an example, when I reached out to you, what made you say yes? Um, intellectual curiosity, you know, it's a big, big thing. I was, I was, I was interested. I mean, leadership is, is of course, a, 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 one of the great forces of my life. So I'm very interested in it. And it's one of these things you never quite master. It's like a, what's that line in calculus? You, 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 you approach it, but you never quite get there. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, so I had the opportunity to learn. Um, this was less, uh, more of a curiosity thing more than anything else. Uh, but you also never know. You, it, life is an interesting journey. You meet people along the way that 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 that, that you can help, and then and some, sometimes they help you back. But usually, you give more than you receive. <laughs> well, this is it, right? So, one last question, and then we'll wrap up, uh, Peter. Are you an author? Have you written a book? I have. Yeah, I've self-published two different books. Um, one was uh, uh, called the. Uh, 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 the Veteran Hiring Leaders Handbook, it was called, and it was it was designed to uh, for HR leaders who had been assigned the task of hiring more veterans. Uh, that's when I bought this company, Recruit Military. Uh, I found there were a lot of HR leaders that um, typically women, not always, but some women who uh, came up through other parts of HR and they knew nothing about the military and they had been tasked by their CEO to hire more veterans. And so this was a guide, a, a how-to guide to do that. And before that, I had actually a failed startup uh, in the in the space of um, personal history, the idea of helping older people preserve their life stories. And I wrote a, um, a handbook also on, on uh, your priceless legacy, a story that must be told. Uh, I still give out copies of it because uh, people do come across that, hey, my grandmother's getting older, how can we get her story down? Uh, and that sort of thing. But but yeah, I'm a big believer in that. Uh, I'm actually, and I'm, I've written a novel for middle school uh, aged kids that I'm, um, I'm about 90% done with. Uh, I want to do a series in, in, in my spare time there. So yeah, writing, writing helps influence. It helps build a brand, a personal brand, but it also helps clarify thinking. It's one of the best ways to um, organize thoughts is writing. Yeah, if you want to master something, teach it. There you go. Exactly right. Peter, love your story. Love what you're doing. Uh, congrats on all your success. And thank you so much for being on the show. Likewise. Thank Cheers you. everybody else. We'll see you again soon. Ciao for now.